Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey there, it's Thursday. Merry Christmas. Again, yeah. I mean, it's still Christmas season. I could do this. I could do this all month. Yep. I'm still in California, by the way. How is it? How is it over there? How's I the weather? Know. I don't know. I don't know. What are you thinking about it all? Uh, I'm ready to come home. Mm. Yeah, I'm ready to be back. No, uh, you guys can pray for today, though. We do have our board meeting for our church here, and so that may you may think, well, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Um, we have an external board, which is our made up of pastors from our sending church, and uh, they are not elders for our church. In other words, they're not dictating what ministry looks like here or anything else like that, but they are there as advisors and there as uh, accountability, accountability, support, support, as well as helping us as we set our budget and everything else like that. You may wonder about things like that. We do not uh, autonomously just decide, hey, this is going to be our budget. Uh, we have a, a team back there that helps us and uh, and helps us to uh, to think wisely about all of those things. And so uh, that's happening today. I've got that meeting today, and I, I trust it's going to go well. We've got a great relationship with our sending church. We love them very much. And uh, the pastors on that that uh, board are great men, as well as uh, Rick Talcott, who is our, our CFO back in, in California. Awesome guy, super, uh, super intelligent, uh, very experienced in the realm of, of the church as well. And so we're thankful for them. What kind of food do you think you're going to be eating while you're there? <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I don't miss anything as far as food goes. Really? Uh, yeah, because Not I... Not Del Taco? No, uh, no. I would take Taco Bell over Del Taco. Really? There's some very avid Del Taco fans that listen to this. Yep, I understand. And and that's fine. That's fine. I would take Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Okay. Uh, what about the Mexican food? You're not going to go for any Mexican places? No, I don't. Like, I don't like rolled roll tacos. Okay. Um, okay. Street tacos are okay. okay. Like... They don't, they don't stir my affections for Jesus. I get that they stir some people's <laughs> affections for Jesus, just not mine. Okay. And I, I think I attribute some of that to, I, I grew up here. Yeah, like, it's probably, yeah, you were, you were corrupted. I, I get that. Right. I had on the border and Chili's and stuff like that. Oh, so. <laughs> dude, Chili's is the worst Texas export. You can Whoa. have that back. Whoa. Okay. Take it back and keep it. Okay. Shots fired. I like their queso with the Mr. Meat in it. It, no. it, it brings joy to my heart. Lord that stirs my affection only for knows Jesus. what is in the cancer. I think it's cancer yeah, in a bowl. Probably. Yellow colored. That's what I'm going to put in my mouth for that joke thing that we have. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put yes. Chili's queso. No, I, it, probably nostalgia for that. I used to go there all the time in high school with my friends and stuff. And Okay. Yeah. I hope you didn't pay too much for it. No, I don't think I did. But all that to say, I don't know. I can't tell you that there's any. Franco's famous. That's the one thing I miss. Mm, that was a Mexican Franco's food famous. restaurant down the hill from our house there. And, uh, and that was good. Amanda and I would go there on day nights. Speaking of famous, I love Famous Amos, the cookie. And the prophet. Oh. Oh, I, I see what you did there. You That was soft toss and I hit it out of the park, man. Nailed I was it, ready man. for it. And it just, uh, it went You're went rounding off. third base right now. Yep. Hey, Amos is unique. He is uh, is not one of the priestly family. He is, uh, in fact, he is the shepherd prophet or the farmer prophet. He's uh, he's a country boy, and he gets commissioned by God to uh, bring a message to the people of God. Uh, he's prophesying during the realm of or the reign of rather Uzziah and Jeroboam the second. And Uzziah was uh, seven ninety to seven thirty nine. Jeroboam the second was seven ninety three to seven fifty three. So we're somewhere mid. Uh, what would that be? Eighth century BC? Sixth century BC? Sure. Yeah, one of those. We're mid 700s BC is uh, around the time that Amos is uh, is prophesying. And we've been talking about this. This theme t- seems to come up a lot. Guess what was going on in the northern tribe during this time? 
Let me guess. Bad things. Well, yes, but... Uh, Idolatry. From their perspective, peace and comfort. Oh, okay. I see. And he was about to bring a message that said, hey, don't get too comfortable thinking that everything's fine just because you're not experiencing judgment right now. Hey, guess what? Judgment's coming. So we've been talking about that the last couple episodes that people grow complacent and comfortable and that's not necessarily a good thing. It doesn't mean that that's always a sign of God's blessing in our lives. Right. And with Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah was the longest, I'm pretty sure, the longest reigning Southern king, 40 some odd years of prosperity. Yeah. And and then Isaiah 6 picks up in the year that King Uzziah died. We talked about it yesterday. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So right. the Lord demonstrates his transcendence. And so this is a relative time of peace, which is interesting, but also to your point, perhaps dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting approach because the book opens and he begins to hit on, hey, you know what? Remember Damascus and, uh, and, and Gaza and Tyre and Edom and the Ammonites and Moab. He's talking about all of the enemies of God and listing out, here's all of their sins. And this is why God brought them into judgment. And you can almost see him setting the stage for the, 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 the clincher for the, the, the punchline there. Cause you can almost see the Israelites listening to this. Yeah. Going, get those yeah, guys. Exactly. You right. are the man Israel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause then he gets to, to Judah and he says, and thus says the Lord concerning Judah. And you're, you're like, whoa, hold on. Wait, wait a minute. We were good when it was the other people. Us, us, we're, we're guilty too. Well, Judah gets what, a verse and a half? Yeah, not a lot. They don't they've, get a lot. I mean, still, they're still called out, but yeah, Israel. They've rejected the lot. Yeah, then comes Israel. And this is where the, the double-barreled shotgun gets leveled at the people. Yep, cocked, locked, and ready to go. And he, he goes and enlists what's going on and calls them out on things. And, and remember that the peace that they were experiencing? Well, look at verse 9. It was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Verse 10, it was I who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 11, I raised up some of your sons for prophets. And so God is, is calling out Israel going, hey, you're enjoying all the blessings because of what I've done for you and you're forgetting me. And that's not going to go well for you, Israel. This is not a good thing. Um, he says, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not retain their strength. The mighty will not be able to save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand. He who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. So in other words, God is saying, you may trust in all these things, but ultimately they're not going to do you any good because this is going to be judgment from me. Another prediction of the Assyrian conquest in 722 BC. So remember, we're still kind of circling the airport here. We're having to go back in time, forward in time, back in time again. So as we enter into the book of Amos, we're in a time of relative prosperity, but God's sending out warning shots. He wants them to know, here's what's going to take place. And again, we're looking at Northern Kingdom, Israel specifically, 722 BC. Yeah, well, chapter three, notice verse two, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Israel had a special place in the heart of God. He had not called anybody else his own people. He had not formed another people for his own possession. This was unique. And he says, because of that, I'm going to punish you for all of your iniquities. You've spurned my favor. You've spurned my grace. You've spurned my provision. And I'm going to punish you. And then in the next verses three through six, he begins to list all these things and says, as sure as, as sure as, as sure as. In other words, he's saying these are are natural outcomes. These are are logical consequences. This is going to happen because this happened. And his point is, so sure is the judgment of God going to come against you. As, As you can predict these things, you can predict the judgment of God. But you shouldn't consider this a surprise. Verse seven, for the Lord does nothing without revealing a secret to his servants, the prophets. That is a, that's a hyperbolic statement. God does things without giving us a full glimpse of everything that he's doing. But here he's saying this, what I'm about to do, the judgment that I'm bringing against you. No, that you should know about that, that you should understand because I've warned you about this through the prophets. 
Yeah, and Amos is going to pick up on terminology that you heard back in Joel, the day of the Lord. So keep it, keep an eye out for that terminology. But I think it was the prophet Uncle Ben who said, with great power comes great responsibility. And when, when God tells them in verse 2, you only have I known, he gave them such an incredible privilege. And with that privilege comes incredible responsibility. Now, let me just turn the tables around on us for a second. We have the greatest privilege of all time. We have the new covenant. We've got the spirit of God inside of us. We've got the word, the entire canon of scripture at our fingertips all the day long. Man, we are enjoying some pretty great privileges, but with those privileges come great responsibility. Christian, how are you doing in that department? Hope you're doing well. Keep praying that direction. Stay in your Bible. Keep at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the nations are invited to watch the judgment in verses 9 and 10. God beckons them, and, and there's probably two things going on there. Number one, it's probably saying, hey, listen, it's it's not you that's going to come and judge the, the people of Israel. I'm going to do that. But then there's probably also a warning contained therein to these nations saying, hey, if I'm going to do this to my people, you better buckle up and, and watch out because if I'm going to do this to them, what would I do to to you? Verse 11, Assyria is in view, as Pastor Rogers mentioned a few minutes ago, where he says, an adversary shall surround the land. That's going to be the Assyrians. They're going to come against Israel. They're going to besiege them, and they're going to overthrow them. They're going to conquer them such that there will only be a remnant left, which is kind of an interesting, weird verse in verse 12. As the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, here was a full, How insensitive. Here was a full lamb, and all that's left in the mouth of the lion is, is two legs. Or he goes on and says, or the piece of an ear, so the people of Israel shall dwell in Samaria, be rescued with the corner of a couch in the part of a bed. Yep. I mean, he's, he's trying to get them to understand. Look around at all your opulence. Look around at all your comfort. Look around at the palaces and the houses and everything else like that and realize, you know what's going to be left? The corner of a couch, a piece of a bed. That's going to be it. And that's going to be a reference to the remnant. God will preserve a remnant, but it's going to be small. And it's not going to be a mighty group of people that he's going to preserve. Yeah, so don't count on it, Israel. Right. Don't, don't count yourself among the remnant and say, okay, I'll, I'll probably be okay. It's like the person who buys lotto tickets and thinks, I'm going to be the winner. Not likely. No? You're, you're very, <laughs> no, Pastor Pete. Stop buying lottery tickets, bro. All right. You keep spending the church's money on all these lottery tickets, you know? scratchers and things. And I just, I just want you to know. Okay. I don't think it's going to happen. What about the Powerball? The Powerball. That's different. I think that's perfectly fine. We should do that one. That kid. I've never been on live television before. <laughs> and apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> the Powerball. Yeah, he's funny, man. I like you guys kid. haven't seen that. How old is he? Apparently, kid. He's probably like 30 now. Yeah. It was a long time ago. You, like, or the Brian meme. Have you seen that guy? Like, There's always the pictures of where are they now, and, and now that we're so far away from the or, yeah. origination of memes, some of these people, you look at them and you're like, oh, you look totally different. You did, yeah, and it's funny because I, I, I fall for those videos all the time. I'm like, I do want to know what they're doing. Who are these people? Right. Where are they at? How'd they get to that, that stardom? I'm always shocked by Macaulay Culkin. I don't know why I am. But anytime I see like, where are they now? Grown up stars. I'm like, oh, you look nothing like Kevin anymore. He's he's lost the cuteness factor. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's uh yes. For sure. That's okay. You well, should grow up and not be cute anymore at some point. Uh, that's true. That's true. Hey, Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five. Remember chapter four was a pivot chapter. Uh, we had left behind the seven churches. Now we're looking at things that are going to be coming. The scene is now the throne room of God and John is there. And one of the other things that he sees besides the throne and these four creatures that we talked about yesterday and uh, the the, uh, the praise and the honor and the glory of the 24 elders. Uh, another thing that he sees is he sees the this scroll. And this scroll is sealed with seven seals. Now, when you're thinking about a seal, what are, what are we talking about? Or, 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 yeah, no, or. Not, not that, not the barking seal. These would have been wax impressions that were made on a document that were uh, the, the sign of an, uh, they were, they imbued authority. Uh, and so if, if you were dispatched with a letter with a seal that was on that letter, 
the only two people that could open that seal were the one that sent the letter or the one that is the recipient of the letter. And so a lot of times a king would have a, a, an insignia and that would be placed upon the letter or even in a family. Think of the, the prodigal son. When the prodigal son comes back home and he's given a ring for his finger, the, that ring would have had the family seal on it. It would have given him the authority to, to dispatch messages and to, to communicate on behalf of the family. And so it's another status symbol for him. Well, so these seals are there and they're on this scroll. And when the question is asked, who is worthy to open the, sc- the scroll? That's the question. Who is the authority? It's a good song. To do this. Is anyone able to break the Great seal song. and open the scroll? Yeah. In fact, I was reading in Revelation just going, man, so much of our worship songs are taken from the Inspired book of Revelation. Inspired by the book of Revelation. And we wouldn't think that. You wouldn't. I, I want to know why John's crying. Tell me about that. Right, so I get the seals. He, there, there's a scroll and there's seven seals on there. And then John just loses it. The ugly face cries. It sounds like, what? What was? why is he crying? I, I, I don't know that I can be dogmatic on it, but if no, I'm- Be dogmatic, please. If I'm John, I'm thinking, man, I want to I want to know what's coming. I want to know more. Like, you've taken me to this spot. Is this it? Like, we're going to be done because here's the scroll and I, I don't get to know what's inside it. So it's just like, he just really wants to know. I so think he wants to know, it. but it's, it's not just, it's not a voyeuristic desire to know. I think it's more of like, I mean, he's swept up into this scene and he's seeing everything that's going on and he's there in the presence of God and he doesn't want it to end. He doesn't want it to be over. And, and now here's the scroll and the scroll seems like, okay, there's, there, there's nothing else that we can do here. Hmm. And so that's a take on it. What's your take on it? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still perplexed. I, all I know is that one of the elders has to dad John and be like, shh, stop crying. Stop crying. It's okay. The, it's okay. the lion of the tribe of Judah, it's the root okay, of the, he's here, buddy. Yeah. Calm down. It's going to be all right. Yeah. What, what a statement though. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. We're going to find out that these seals have to do with judgment and that's going to come in, in future chapters. But uh, this is 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 Christ. He's the one that's worthy. Why is he worthy? Why is he the one that's worthy? Well, because even in his description, he's the lamb standing as though it had been slain. The reason is, as you go down to verse nine, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Jesus is going to say in the book of John that God has given him judgment. He's given him authority to judge. The, the authority to judge begins even here in the eternal realms of the throne room of God where these seals are going to be unleashed and opened up. And it is the authority of the Son that inaugurates the judgment that's going to be poured out on the world during the tribulation period. Well, this is exciting because in verse 11, you have the introduction of a new group of people or a new group of personalities, I should say. He, he says, look, um, I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, now here you go, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb. Such a cool line there. So you have the 24 elders, you have the living creatures, you have John, and then you have a countless multitude of angels. The idea here is vast numbers that you can't actually count. There's thousands upon thousands, myriads of myriads. So he's just saying, an in, in percept, uh, imperceptible, uh, incalculable, that's the word I'm looking for, incalculable number of angels that are worshiping God. Again, I want to point out to you how majestic and how awe-inspiring this scene is because we often forget, like we forget who God is. We don't see this happening at Sunday morning, typically. I mean, maybe last Sunday morning was really good, but it wasn't this good. 
Right. And this is the scene that you should envision when you think about the glory of God and his holiness, his transcendence, his worthiness. This is the, a really cool scene that would be worth your meditation. It is. It is. And if as you're fathom, fathoming that number there, it is meant to be an, an incalculable number. The, the, the word myriad, it is the, the word in the Greek that means 10,000. So, and this is pluralized. So it's 10,000s upon 10,000s. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, it, it is incalculable. And that's the point. And it, what, an, what a scene that's going to be. And it's, it's the part of the reason why when we talk about God, we say, holy, holy, holy. Uh, the, the idea is to convey a holiness beyond, uh, beyond calculation. So when you say myriads of myriads, you're trying to say a lot of the, the you know, a lot of it. And when you multiply that by three times for God and his holiness, then you're saying, wow, beyond even human comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Cool scene, man. Awesome scene. And we'll be there someday. We will. And, yeah. and by the way, just as you're, as you're working through your Bible here, chapter six, seven, and eight all deal with the seven seals. So we're going to extend this. The seventh seal takes a lot longer than the others. It does. So we're going to look at the seven seals, starting with the first six in this chapter, and they're going to continue on through chapter eight. Yep. Hey, tune in tomorrow as we talk about chapter six, as well as continue Amos. <laughs> That's right. All right. We'll catch you guys then. See you. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.